I want to talk to you about fruitfulness. And I want to go to John chapter 15. And my goal is to help you to have increased fruitfulness in your life. I feel as a pastor in prayer for the new year 2023, which now is March, um, that this is to be a year of achievement, accomplishment, advancement, and fruitfulness. And I'm going to be unpacking that in the upcoming weeks. And I'm actually believing God for this in our prayer lives, in our households, in our thought processes, everything about our existence. And I want to show you something in John 15 that Jesus was trying to uh, re-engage and reconnect us after the the detachment that came from the fall of man. And, um, you know, my point that I want to make is that God's designed us uh, in his image, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. He said, be fruitful. So if he's not going to say something that he's not capable of actually implementing and sustaining or tell us to do something that's impossible for us. So humanity has been made in God's image by God and for God. So I want to talk to you about, you know, how we can... uh, increase um, productivity and fruitfulness. And, and I, I think this is going to be helpful. I was just talking to one of the gentleman farmers in our church right here, and he has um, uh, food beds. He grows uh, delicious vegetables. I've, I've, he's brought vegetables to me, and he's, he gets a rototiller, and he tills it up, and he's been putting... Uh, uh, mulch and uh, fertilizer and what else do you put in there? Compost, yeah. And he is, I mean, and it, it ends up, it's still winter, you know, but it's going to, spring comes. And uh, then, the, then the harvest comes. And there, as long as the earth remains, there's going to be seed time and harvest. And I want to preach to stimulate your fruitfulness. And I want to speak from the word to help you with it. And in order to help you combat the terrible feelings of futility that have weighed down society. In fact, this world is gripped, in case you didn't notice, by a morbid sense of hopelessness, alienation, and isolation. The spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience has seen to it. And in Ephesians, the second chapter, verse 1 and 2, In the New American Standard, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And that's where the cutoff happened. That's where the detachment occurred. Adam and Eve were in the sublime, beautiful, pre-fall glory of an intimate connection with God, unhindered, no disruption, um, and but with their free will, they forfeited the prize, and they yielded to temptation. Lucifer, this evil being who had been there for a while, um, engaged humanity with deception and lies, and Adam and Eve took the bait. And that's original sin. That's the fall of man. And it's just, you know, you ask why was there an earthquake in Turkey? Because of the fall of man. It's not because of God's lack of goodness, because God is infinitely great. It's because of humanity forfeited the prize, cheapened the moment. Satan usurped authority and is temporarily the God of this world. 
That's the gospel message from the Bible. So we spend a lifetime cultivating connection with the Lord, like just watching these people, and I'm happy to be interrupted by yet another person that wants to be water baptized. And I wouldn't mind if three or four more of those happened before I finished preaching. I have no problem with that. Because God's moving on, apparently God's moving in subterranean ways in the hearts of people. And, um, you know, even though the world is gripped with this morbidity and this hopelessness, um, we fix our hope on the living God. And, um, you know, you remember John 10.10 famously makes a distinction between Lucifer's... uh, uh, He's a, he's a diminishing being. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, and here's what he quoted, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And um, so he gives abu- us abundant life. He restores fullness of joy. He imparts vision and hope. And he daily loads us with benefits. Every one of the points I made is right out of the Bible. Psalm 1 really is a great synopsis to verify that there are two distinct ways to live, two paths, the path of the sinner or the, 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 the way of, of, of God's purposes. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. That's one way, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the correct way, and in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Say that. Which yields its fruit in its season. Fruitfulness is God's idea. And um, boy, John chapter 15, verse 1 through 8, is the text I want to use tonight to just really pour over this a little bit. I'm preaching this for your edification, for your build-up. I'm preaching this for your faith to be built. And it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean or pruned because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Let me just tell you, the reason the world feels futile is because it is futile to put your your roots in something that's dead. Uh, it's futility. And, um, and yet, I want to say uh, concerning that, that he has redeemed our lives from the futile way of life handed down to us by our fathers. Don't turn to this, but in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 6, I think it's a living translation. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had uh, to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. You ever have one of those days? 
1 Peter 1.17 says, Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers or feudal way of life, but with the precious blood of Christ, the lamb without blemish or defect. Hallelujah. And we're talking about, we're moving into Easter in about a month. And um, so this is prep for it. First Corinthians 15, 17 says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. One translation says worthless, futile. The world is feeling like it's, there's just futility. There were the, the, the existentialists uh, of France and Europe during World War II, if you listen or read anything they said, life is empty, meaningless, and absurd. And that gripped a culture. The morbidity of World War I and World War II and seeing nations rise against nations, it did something to our European neighbors. And it, it sapped them of joys. It sapped them of courage. It, it took away incentive and motivation. And it, it created a power over that part of the world. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And there's a, there's a huge need for people to understand that God is our Father. He's called us back into a covenant. It was broken by Adam and Eve. It's been restored through Jesus Christ. And we are in this pocket of restoration. And we might as well just throw all of our life, all of our weight, all of our interests, all of our affections, all of our thought processes over into it. I became a Christian when I turned 16. This Annabelle just had her birthday today, and uh, that's when I became a Christian. I was not a Christian when I was a kid, and those very important years were, were wasted, and they were futile. And I wish I had been born again when I was much younger. My wife got saved when she was a young, young child, maybe three to five, and uh, she has an advantage there. And I, I, I just, you know, I, I wish I had known the Lord sooner. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's because he's so, he's just so good. And, and so, well, yeah, he's good with timing, but, uh, you know, the day of salvation, when I was five years old, walking down Galveston Street, talking to the, the, the Robin's Egg blue sky of San Diego, and just having this openness to, to uh, an awareness of God in that, that young, young age, you know, where you hadn't lived so much decadence yet you know and you're and I just wanted God I just wanted God and I talked to him God and I and I talked to him like I want to know you and it was so such a hunger and I know God put it in my heart it wasn't because I was prone toward holy things or anything I wasn't I was lost I was a in a dysfunctional home on the suburbs and I was lost but I was yearning for God God said eternity in our hearts it says in Ecclesiastes 3 and that's coming from Solomon who kept saying, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, all is futile, because he backslid. And when he backslid, he went into morbid zones of stupidity. And that book of Ecclesiastes is powerful because it lets you know, hey, man, this was a heavy case of self-imposed dumb that was put, the, this king, the son of David, was, was, was put on himself. And uh, vanity of vanities, all is vanity and striving after, after the wind. You know, sunrise, sunset, all this morbid attitude. But, but, but let me just cheer you up a little bit. He says, abide in me, verse 4, 
and I will abide in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit in of itself unless it abides in the vine, so you cannot, you can't, uh, you, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. That's just what happens. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now here, here, isn't that beautiful? Verse 7. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so proved to be my disciples. You know, life is not the way it's supposed to be. It is what it is. And the more we idealize it, the worse trouble we get ourselves into. But when we recognize it's a fallen world, everybody say it's a fallen world. Then we can just proceed with Bible faith. Instead of human baseless optimism or, or unrealistic idealism. Because that is not what God's trying to stimulate, and that's certainly not what I'm preaching. I'm admitting that we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. And that eternal life brings us, yes, brings us into a place where there's a possibility that we can uh, bear fruit for his kingdom. And Daniel 11.32 says the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And I want to commend you because some people habitually are avoiding church because it says we're not to forsake the assembling together, which is the habit of some. It's habit forming. Life is habit forming. And I, my wife and I were talking like, where are, I didn't see these people for five months. Where are they? It's a habit of not coming. And uh, we've got to get, uh, uh, you know, since, life, since we're going to have habits, we might as well try to make good ones. Right? And God had me in mind when uh, he created church because I would have been isolationist. Like Steve said, you know, I would have probably drifted away from the things of God at times um, just because all we like sheep have gone astray. And um, I need to be in um, uh, the rhythm of uh, connecting. And this this is a connecting chapter, isn't it? If you abide in me and I in you, that this speaks of uh, really being intentional in our uh, relationship with the Lord. And boy, I'm, I'm believing God for this, for people, to, that we're detached to get attached. And I'm also believing for um, a great work to occur uh, in, in each person's life so that uh, dead branches will be trimmed off. You know, we, Reinhard Bonnke spent the last several years of his life coming back and forth to this church. He invited us to be together with him. Uh, his daughters told us he prepared a room for my son Kingston at his house, it, it, you know, which uh, it was just amazing. And he, he invited us into his world, and he came into our church because he saw an aptitude and a potential, and he wanted to contribute as, a, as an equipping evangelist, really. Uh, and he did. He downloaded some beautiful um, depth you know, and some ideas and some inspiration. But while he was uh, talking to me as he was growing and, and maturing, um, he, he, was, he said he was cutting off dead branches in his life. He says, I'm, I'm ruthless with this, he said. He said, I'm ruthless with this. And, uh, 
I thought, wow, you know, who's ruthless about trimming off dead branches? He was, because he realized he had lived a lot of life, and he wanted to make the most of the remainder of it. Yeah. He was battling cancer the whole time he was serving us, and you never would have known it. And, uh, you know, he did it, you know, he played through injury. How thankful I am that he found his way into our world at the latter part of his life. One of the greatest evangelists in the history of Christianity, I would say. Uh, certainly impactful in the nations. And he was just basically saying, I just want to do whatever I can to increase fruitfulness in my life. Uh, Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, was the famous quote made often by Charles Finney. Charles Finney was a a lawyer trained in in, in law, um, a brilliant mind, and um, God anointed him to lead a revival in the, uh, you know, sort of post-colonial era of America. And um, this was his theme verse. Sow with a view to righteousness. Reap in accordance with kindness. Sow with a view to righteousness. You, you know, you got to have the right motives. you got to do it for the right reasons. Yeah. Paul said, some preach Christ out of envy and strife, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. It's amazing as a pastor, some of the... I, get, I got poked in the eye before I came to church with the counseling a guy, and I was listening to this bad behavior of people in the church. And I think, well, at least Jesus is being preached. So it's, you know, but if we can sow with a view to righteousness, uh, if we sow with a view to righteousness, we, and we, make, you know, we, we endeavor to trust the Lord to help us with a good attitude, right? Because we, if we have a different attitude, it will reveal this also to us. Reap in accordance with kindness. Sow with a view to righteousness. Reap in accordance with kindness. Now listen to this. Break up the fallow ground. This brother was telling me that he gets a rototiller and he grinds up the ground because it gets packed and hard through the winter. And he makes it all, you know, just uh, loamy and soft and, and gets it ready and receptive for seed. Break up your fallow ground. You listen to what he says. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. In the desert where I lived in California, a lot of people were killed from flash floods because the ground was so hard, it didn't absorb the water. And we want a revival in America. We want a harvest amongst the lost, a revival in the world, in the nations, all over every nation. And, uh, but there has to be preliminary work. He wants a crop. He grows lettuce. He grows tomatoes. He grows cucumbers. He grows beautiful, fresh vegetables, healthy, beautiful, nutritious. You know, the dark green leaves and the, you know, he gave me shard and stuff like that. It's just amazing. I'm just bringing this gold out of the ground from the work of his hands. And, uh, and I'm thinking about before you can expect a, a crop, um, You've got to plant seeds in order to gain a crop, correct? Right? And Mark chapter 4 is famous for that. The sower sows the word. And um, I am sowing the word into your heart tonight. And I'm try- what I'm doing is I'm offsetting that morbid sense of futility that's trying to, to even grip the king- people of the kingdom. And I want, to, I, want to, I want to come against that. I want to cancel that out. I want to, and I want to get you over to a place of, no, listen, I'm going to, uh, my delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law I meditate day and night. 
And that, in fact, is where we're born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. We're all the product of words. We're all the product of the word of God. He said, let there be light, and he made Adam and Eve out of the dust of the ground in a rib, and here we are. And he told us to be fruitful and multiply. Even Solomon in Ecclesiastes said, enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your life. There's, there's a beauty in life when you see it in God's perspective. And the idea that God wants us to bear much fruit, uh, John, I didn't quote it, so let's, we're still in John 15, and I, I got stuck on 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's pretty powerful. That's No, that's not a magic formula. Yes, it is scriptural. It's not a superficial idea. It's really pretty deep. Because if you're, you and I are abiding in him, we're going to want his stuff. We're not going to want our imaginations and whip up our careers and do our thing and push our doors open and let everybody know how gifted we are. We're going to want God's will. And then, uh, and you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you're going to see the word and you're going to be able to line up with what the scripture says and avoid what it says not to be part of, right? So he says um, in verse 8, my father is glorified by this. Question, how many of you want to honor God? I know all you people on the honor God side, you want to honor God, right? How many of you want to help people? All you people on the help people side. <laughs> uh, well, this is how, we, how God is glorified. Listen to this. That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I already read that to you, but it's worth reading again. Bear much fruit. Everybody say bear much fruit. So... We're born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. The incorruptible, last week the Rombachs were here and they ran the farm after the, 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 uh, the elders passed and they carried on with the farm for years. And um, I remember the three uh, Rombach brothers and they, uh, we became friends through the flood. We, we went out and worked, we helped each other. We, we were thrown together in crisis. And that's what you hope in times of difficulty is that people, uh, it, it, instead of bringing the worst out, it, hopefully with, you know, with the correct response, you end up bonding together. You, know, you end up working together, and we did with them. He was growing melons. You know, they, had a, they had their pumpkin patch, and they also grew row crops and other things. But they were growing these delicious melons, and he brought a bag that was the size of a brown paper bag that a kid would take to school with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and carrot sticks that they would throw out and the Doritos, which they would eat, right? And put the Doritos in the peanut butter and jelly sandwich and make it crunch, right? Yeah, that's the correct way to eat all that. But it was a bag that was full and it was stapled on the top. He said, Pastor Jeff, guess how much these seeds cost? I said, I don't know. He said, $1,800 for this bag of seeds. I said, excuse me? I said, I thought farmers are gamblers. They don't know if it's going to rain or not. They get up before the sun rises. They work all day and night, you know, and and they're just out there just like. You didn't like gamblers. Should we edit that? Risk-takers. They're willing to take a risk. All you religious people are lining up with her. Okay, so 
All right. I've got to be posh. They took risks. They're not gamblers. They took risks. They took risks. I, you're right. I should have picked that word. It's better. Gambling's kind of goofy. But he, he and, and like, like our church, we, when the flood hit and the enemy came in like a flood, God raised a standard against him. And interesting things took place for us, and interesting took place for interesting things took place for their literal farming, and for us the metaphor of being sowers of seeds and reaping a harvest and the crops being souls. Franklin Graham stood right here in this building, prophesied that because we were stepping out and helping the community, our church would explode with growth, and it did. So when a Presbyterian comes in and prophesies over your church, you better pay attention. And uh, he was right. And, but also, the, the, the Rombachs had such a bumper crop uh, from sowing those seeds. But they had to sow the seeds. And the seeds were precious. And I asked him why it co- they cost so much. And he said, there's, there's a guarantee of a yield. They're just, they're just exceptional. And, and sure enough, I mean, I guess so, for 1800 bucks for a, gross, a little, not a grocery bag, but a little lunch bag. And uh, what you carry... In your Bible is its precious seed. And, and, and the, 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 the Lord is wanting us to understand that we've got to plant seeds. We've got to plant seeds in prayer. We've got to plant seeds of, of acknowledging. That's why I did those TV spots for so many years. I want to do them again because I want to get those seeds out. I don't want my community to ignore Jesus. I'm not trying to say, hey, this is the best church and here are all the most amazing systems we have and you should leave yours and come to ours. I find that offensive. I find that more like the world in in its competition. That's not my message. The head of the church has a plan for these churches and they're beautiful churches all over the place. And uh, the ones that aren't, you know, birthed by God, well, they just come and go. But the real thing, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, so there's that. I just want to lift up Jesus, right? And, um, but there have to be seeds sown. We sow these seeds. You know, we had a, we had a, uh, a children's uh, volunteer meeting in between the, the second and the third service just briefly. And my wife shared from Deuteronomy chapter 6 about how we parents are to speak the word to our kids uh, when they rise up in the morning. And when they walk about and when they lay down, that's what the Jewish people do. They've got little mezuzahs on their, their lentils of their doors, and they walk by and they'll kiss it, and they, they, they reverence the word. You go down to the, to the, the, uh, the wall, the, the, well, what's it called? The, no, there's another name for it. Western, what's, no, it's, yeah, it's a wailing wall, but there's a name for it. Anyway, yeah, it's the Wailing Wall, and they—they uh, the, the 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 devoted are just—they're just praying and they're reading their scriptures, and they've got the scriptures as scrolls, and they'll roll them out and they honor them, and it's a respectful, very respectful religion, and um, that's our foundation actually, and and it's important that we understand for continuity purposes, that uh, we should meditate on the word day and night and, and that we should till the soil. Everybody say till the soil. So to prepare land for raising crops, 
we have to plow loosened packed soil and uh, and and I think we also need to believe God for the softening of the hardness of people's hearts and I've noticed I noticed after 9-11 people were a little more tender than they had been for just a period of time and I'm noticing now post pandemic there's in, there are interesting things my son and I were driving but today he was driving and, and we were heading to the gym and the light changed, and he, he wasn't looking at his phone. He wasn't fidgeting with the radio. He had his hands on the, on the steering wheel, and he was just getting ready to move. And he wasn't even really that. He wasn't delayed. He wasn't distracted. The person behind went, ah. It wasn't just, I, I said to him, well, I think they were trying to tap the, the horn, and they just accidentally, it went too long. He goes, no, that sounded like they were laying, they were, they were laying on the horn. So then, you know, you, get, you look at the rearview mirror, and you're like, what was that? You know, such aggression over nothing. And, um, you know, he wasn't even just sitting there. I mean, I've sat there where I deserve to be honked at. You probably honked at me. And uh, so then the person drove by. It was like a 21-year-old girl. I thought, wait, what, what's happened to our society? It's futility. It's vanity. Uh, and it's, it's Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of the air, of the prince and power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. If you want to understand why the world is so gripped, feels so hopeless, alienated, and isolated, it's because the spirit of disobedience, it has been seeing to it that people get in that, situation but it ought not so be among the redeemed there there has to be an alternative to from futility when in fact we've been redeemed from that feudal way of life that's been handed down to us by our earthly fathers and we've inherited from our heavenly father a productive fruitful way of life and so then we've got to realize okay so then what do i do sow the word into your life Every day. And in fact, um, we, we are also to till the soil. Break up the fallow ground uh, until he comes to rain righteousness on you. Uh, I remember when Fit, the farmer, would farm uh, Bill Kirchhoff's fields over here. And I would watch him. I'd go out there and watch him. I felt privileged to be in this modern time in these suburbs and be able to look out the window of my church and see farmers. I thought, that because there's so much in the word about it, it's like, oh, this, uh, this is me sowing seeds, and this is, the, this is the imagery that Jesus put forth so strongly because it was um, such a, a, a culture of, of agriculture, agriculture, and, and so Jesus used those parallels, and they immediately w- would understand it and relate to it. The fowls of the air come immediately to steal the word. Worries and cares choke the word like vines. Uh, I remember we planted some mint around our rose bushes. And the mint tried to just steal all the nutrition and choke. They were like in a battle with our rose bushes. And uh, it, they just t- try to take over. You know, right now we've got invasive species that are, that are threatening uh, the quality of our uh, indigenous plant life here in Missouri. Uh, even something as sweet as honeysuckle. Yeah. I mean, honeysuckle is awesome. It's like, oh, that smells so good. 
but there's a certain evil one from hell. That's, and it goes in and it's trying to kill all the other plants, right? I didn't know there'd be evil honeysuckle that was demon-possessed and was part of the fall, but yeah. And so, in addition to sowing the seed, in addition, in, in addition to breaking up the fallow ground and keeping a tender heart, we need to weed and feed. We need to um, kill weeds, nurture the plants. There's a product that is called weed and feed where it has some ingredients that kill the weeds and feed the plants and nourish the plants that you want. And I think in life and in God, he'll help us with those things to keep our garden uh, tilled and tender uh, so that as he's raining upon us, it says in Isaiah 55 that uh, the word doesn't return empty without accomplishing what it's been sent to do. As the snow and the rain come to, to, to you know, fill up the, the aquifers and the, and the water table, God's word does that. And in fact, that's part of what revival is. The, the, the opposite of revival is there's a dearth of the word. Revival is when the word is forefront in a culture. You could read the, you could read the speeches from the founding fathers, many of whom were humanists and were in other ideals and were in false ideals, but yet they quoted a lot of scripture because society was respectful of the word of God. And if they were to be pertinent to their listeners, they had better quote a lot of word. Even if they didn't mean it. Not all of them were believers. But yet, in order to be relevant to society, they had, and people, yes, that's, I, that's, I know that verse. I, I was in Sunday school. I heard that in my hymns, and I heard that at the sermon of the pastor and in my own devotions. Here's another thing that you got to do. You got to sprinkle and soak and um, occasionally do some deep watering, but constantly sprinkle. Um, Isaiah, I mean, 1 Corinthians 3, it says, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God causes the growth. Um, my friend Mark Hankins said that because Apollos was a disciple of Paul, he thinks it's possible that Apollos took on Paul's revelation and preached pretty much a reiteration of what Paul was laying down because that's what he was influenced by. Now, you can't really prove that, but I think it's valid since Apollos was Paul's uh, protege. And so this is why I have no problem with repetition. In fact, the, the, the mentor, you know, the leader of the Bible school we went to for, for a two-year period. In fact, I was sitting next to Mark Hankins, and uh, Brother Hagan, he opened up to uh, Ephesians 6.18 about being on the alert and praying for all the saints. The door would be open for the word. And then he'd go to John 15.7. He did it for two years. He started every message yeah. for two years. Yeah. Maybe, I don't want to say every, but almost every, every message I heard. And, and uh, Mark leaned over to me and he said, so much for having to have a new message every, every service. So much for having to be new. Um, it, it, nothing is new under the sun. And seed is seed. And, and soil is soil. And Jesus is Lord. And we've got to get a hold of this so that we understand the value of continually feeding, putting the word into our hearts, and then watering it 
by hearing it over and over again and soaking it, sprinkling it. You know, I'll tell you something that my staff probably won't like, but when I find bottles of water that are partly consumed, I don't drink them uh, for, you know, because I'm not a gambler. Because we're not gamblers in church, right? But uh, I will take that out and I'll water those big, um, those, uh, what are those fiddle leaf, what are those things called with the giant leaves out there? What are they called? Fiddle leaf figs? So they're, they're Pastor Jeff, you're overwatering them. I, I don't know, man. I just feel sorry for them. I go out there and they're like, can you help me, please? I got a little bitty pot. I've got this humongous bunch of branches and, and it's dry. I'm bone dry. And I, I'll take care of you. And, and I, I haven't even submitted this to the staff. They're going to go, well, Pastor Jeff, you're overwatering those plants. But anyway, I, I think that we shouldn't overwater, but I do think we should constantly be refreshing and repeating by reminder what has been presented. Stir up our sincere minds by way of reminder. You, you, you follow this? So you sow the seed, you till the soil, you sprinkle and soak, you weed and feed. And um, and deep roots, deep roots. There's a verse that I I, I hope I could find tonight that um, it's it's fascinating. And I I don't remember where I saw it. So it's it's back here in my pages. And maybe I'll find it, maybe I won't. But it basically said, I think it's in 1 Kings somewhere, where it said... um, that basically, as with the roots, so with the branches. And, and, and I, I feel like we see things in life that are developing, and we see a certain segment of it, but we underestimate the germination of the seed and the development of the root system. My dad taught me about roots, and uh, he... There are, we've, my, my brother and I have gone back to our old houses in San Diego, and the trees we planted are still there. And, uh, I mean, there, that, that was in the 60s. So my dad, he, he, he planted them for longevity. That's just an earthly dad with a green thumb. He has a business job in aerospace, and he needs a break, so he goes out and makes his kids slaves, and we have to go and... <laughs> weed and break up the ground and all that. He made my brother weed standing up one time because he, because that, that, that's, it was cruel, but because, because my brother would start to pass out because it was, that was the kind of the job it was. So, but I don't, I don't want you guys to get slack about sowing the word in your heart, keeping the soil of your heart right. Keep your heart with all diligence, right? Because from it flow the springs of life. And I just want to say, there's a fruitfulness potential in each of us that can be increased. It can be improved upon. It can be developed. Like a garden let go with weeds is not going to give the yield that a garden that is tended to a little bit better. And this, I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to people who are here and you are signed up to keep your soil right, to keep your heart right, and keep it watered, keep the seeds going, and um, so that you have super deep roots. You know, when we, we had an olive tree, and, uh, and he wanted to move it because it was too close. The, 
landscapers that built the house, they planted it, and he said, this is way too close to the house. It's going to damage the, the foundation, and it's going to be, you know, the, it, it's going to be competing with, for shade. The house will shade it. It's going to be all lopsided. So we've got to dig it up, and we've got to move it 10 feet out into the yard. Excuse me? I, I'm like, Dad, I j- I'm in the third grade, and I want to go ride... <laughs> I want to go ride my Stingray bike and get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and put Doritos in it so it can crunch and throw away the carrot sticks. And you want me to move a tree 10 feet in our yard? Yes. And I want you to dig the hole. And so it's like, okay, no, that's not big enough. No, more, 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 more. I feel like this is what the Heavenly Father's done with us with this church. I really do. I feel like he's saying, look, man, dig this thing deep. You, you, you know, you, you're interested in longevity? Yes. You want this thing to last? Yes. Then, um, then, then, then dig it deep. Dig it deep and make it right. And, uh, man, I, I'll tell you, you know, when I left Bible school, I wanted to go to the nations. I followed after T.L. Osborne, very similar to Reinhard Bonnke, I was, uh, 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 it appealed to me to go out in, in, in uh, large, in mass, large meetings, large, uh, T.L. Osborne would, would go into bullfighting rings in Cuba before the revolution in the 50s, and he'd preach. He went to India, and he had a lot of struggle, and he went back, and then he did better. And he set the path, actually, I talked to Bonky about it, and he said, oh yeah, T.L. Osborne inspired me, he inspired us. And I, I didn't think pastoring was, was, was the, actually my call until while I was fasting and praying in England, the Lord told me to go back to St. Louis and reminded me in what he said to me in 77, build a home base in Chesterfield from which to reach the nations of the world. So that's what we've done, and that's why I do it. And uh, that's what I'm believing God for. Uh, and I'm excited about it. Thank you. Paul the Apostle was saying, you know, I'm just getting ready to go to heaven. I'm really excited, you know. To live is Christ, to die is gain, and I long to be with the Lord. And he said, he said, but convinced of this, he said, it's more, it's more necessary. He said, if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. So Paul, I don't know. If you check, maybe he wrote more New Testament after that encounter. But he said, it's going to mean more fruitful labor for me. Can I just tell you the reason you're here right now is because it means more fruitful labor in the kingdom. You're still alive because there's more that God has for you to do. Right? You buy into that? And so Paul said, convinced of this, Philippians chapter 1 verse 25, convinced of this, you know, and he's, and he's come through something to be convinced of this. And, he, and, and in fact, confident of this. He says, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for for two things, for, the pro- for progress, your progress and joy in the faith. So I believe God's planted my wife and I here for your progress and joy in the faith. And I'm just happy to be able to serve. I'm happy to be able to be in this dimension. I want to see bigger things happen. I want to see more nations reached. I want to see hundreds of millions of lives come to the kingdom. But everything starts somewhere. A big, acorn, a, a big oak tree started with a little bitty nut that refused to quit little acorn right and dodged all those squirrels those tree rats in the backyard 
and grew and grew and grew and grew, right? Right? How many of you have dodged, dodged some of those tree rats and you're, you're, you're the little nut that held on? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You heard that at this church. So in order to combat feelings of futility, we just have to just say, okay, there's more game in me and I'm, I'm going to keep sowing the seeds. I'm going to keep watering. Life comes and happens. Devil, will, he'll fight. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He'll, steal your, he'll try to steal your joy. He'll try to cripple your momentum. He'll stimulate stupid stuff with other people and get things all festering. Paul had profound problems with, with false brethren and with countrymen. And he had stuff go on that just, it was, it's identified in the scriptures. Wolves in sheep's clothing, people with agendas. I mean, it, it was wicked. And I think that might be why it's like, I just long to go be with the Lord, guys. You know, for, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And don't read that verse if you, you know, you, you have suicidal thoughts. Don't read that verse. Don't go and tell yourself that. You just smack yourself just, and just press back into the call. Right? Press, press back into the call. And um, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If, 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 we will, if we will keep sowing the seeds, keep tilling the soil, keep watering, Keep weeding and feeding. Deep roots and high branches will come. If you don't grow weary in well-doing, the Bible says in due time you will reap. There's another fruitfulness verse, if you faint not. Reaping, sowing. Everybody say reaping and sowing. So we learn to manage our time. We set godly goals. We clear the debris kill the weeds, we transplant foreign plant species out. Like, what are, what are they? There's one called the tree of heaven. That's sneaky, isn't it? Oh, I'm the tree of heaven. I thought it was a walnut tree for about eight years. It was a lying, devil, lying, gambling tree. That lying, deviling, gambling tree was hanging out in my yard. And I thought all this, I thought all this, all these honeysuckles, I thought this is just wonderful. And then I thought, and look how much we have. It's all lining our driveway. Look at it, it's in our woods. And then uh, I had Mike Pulliam here. He, he told Steve, he said, this stuff is an invasive species. So I came home one day and Steve had cut it all down. So, and I didn't know, I, didn't, I hadn't been educated yet. I love my honeysuckle. Why'd you cut down my What kind of son-in-law are you? I thought you, I thought you were my favorite son-in-law. And uh, hallelujah. What's that stuff called? Kudu or kudu? What's it? Kudzu? I mean, it'll blanket over the trees and kill the trees, right? And, um, and so we just come against that in the name of Jesus. There's stuff like that that happens in the church. I mean, I had a guy call me today. I'm watching people act out stuff. I'm thinking, are you out of your mind? You're, this is not the Holy Spirit, but they'll, it, it'll all play out. It'll all play out. I got to be all nice and everything. It'll all play out, and it'll be like, okay. But let's all stand up on our feet. That was a little, that was a little uh, caveat at the end. You didn't really need it. That because of the resurrection issue, since that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he gives life to your mortal body. 
And I celebrate with you people that got water baptized. All the, 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 the big guy with the tattoos, the little kids. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you what it says. In Re- I'll close with Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. It says that, uh, I'll, I'll just turn to it. Romans 6. This is so, it's a, it's a baptism verse, but it's, it's so powerful. And uh, this is where we're going to finish this service. And we're going to sing and we're going to rejoice. It says, um, in verse 5, it says, If you have been become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Uh, knowing this, oh no, I skipped over. Hold on a minute. Okay, verse 3. Or do you not know all that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him, here it is, through baptism into death, look at this, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, oh, I like this, so we too might walk in what? Newness of life. That's not morbid, that's not futile, that's not dreary, that's vibrant. And even if you're dealing with depression, the the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit gets on you and helps you motor through that season and even if you've been distracted with anxiety you those worries and cares that try to choke the word and make it unfruitful you roll up your sleeves and you do your level best to tear those things out of your garden and say man i am going to stand on the solid ground of god's word i'm going to tend my soil just in case god wants to do something through me in the upcoming days and i'm going to tell you just in case he absolutely does You are created in Christ for good works, which he prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. You are distinct and unique, and there's nobody with a gift set of gifts like you. There's nobody with a personality like yours, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and your soul needs to get to know that very well. And so you sow with a view to righteousness. You reap in accordance with kindness. You break up the fallow ground. Because he's going to rain righteousness on you. Hallelujah. He's raining on the earth right now. The early and the latter rain coming on the earth. This is a good time to be born again. If you're not a Christian, today receive Jesus into your heart. Just like you would come in this door. You walk through the building, opened up and entered into Open up your heart and let him come in. He will wash you. He will cleanse you. He will forgive you of your sins. Somebody asked me, what if you're saved? Why the judgment seat of Christ? Why the great white throne judgment? A Christian doesn't have to endure the great white throne judgment. We do, there is a judgment, a judgment seat of Christ. And, and Jesus, we were, he took our sins and he took our judgment. He took our guilty sentence. So we are free from that fear and that, that torment and that dread. And if you're not a Christian, you got to step into it and receive Jesus right now while you still have breath in your lungs. Say this with me, Heavenly Father, I receive Jesus in all of his abundance into my life that I bear much fruit in 2023. And this is my Father glorified, that I bear much fruit for his honor and glory in Jesus' name.